Most golfers would like to be able to play where the pros play. Sadly, we're not going to get on the PGA Tour, not with our skill set. However, you can still play where the pros have played if you put a bit of time and effort into it. This podcast tells you how to follow in the footsteps of giants. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of In the Footsteps of Giants. A podcast, as you all know by now, is designed to get you thinking about getting up out of your armchairs, heading off around the world and playing golf where the pros play. Now, uh, we've been doing this for a long number of years now and normally in the co, uh, co-host's chair, because he does like to be referred to as the co-host, but in the co-host's chair is my mate Des, um, except tonight he still isn't back with us. His uh, Christmas accident that we uh, alerted you to in the last podcast is still causing him a certain amount of discomfort. Apparently he's not allowed to laugh, and uh, certainly when he's in my company he's practiced that for many years but uh, uh, he will be hoping to be back in the podcast studio inside the next couple of weeks so uh, we all wish him well and hope he recovers very very quickly but as a special treat for the listeners I didn't want to leave you hanging coming into the new year I didn't want you to think that here at In the Footsteps of Giants we can't get access to top quality guests at short notice so tonight all the way from the United States of America is our regular North American correspondent. And back on the podcast, it is the Commander. Good evening, Commander. And back at you. How are things with you? I hope you had a good holiday and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to come. Well, we, we had a great holiday. Des, as you know, didn't have such a great holiday because uh, decorating the Christmas tree caused him a, a rather a lot of pain this year uh, as he uh, fell out of his uh, attic in the garage and broke the ribs. You broke four ribs last year and uh, you, you, you indicated that Des, you think, is just trying to uh, go a little better. Yeah, always has to do just that much more, does Des. <laughs> well, um, I think that uh, he will, uh, having done this, I don't think he'll be keen to do it again anytime soon. And I'm very hoping it won't have uh, affected his swing for the summer, although it might. But interestingly, I was I was listening earlier today. I just checked what last year's New Year's resolutions were. And one of Des's New Year's resolution was after the introduction of the new handicapping system around the world. He actually wanted to shave five shots off his handicap during last season. And he achieved four. So well, that's that's, good. that's not bad going. Yeah, what I did a, not. You did not shave four. <laughs> I did not. Which, which is a shame because I actually didn't get to play you in this last season because COVID protocols uh, mm-hmm. have kept us uh, many miles apart. What you call a shame, I call a set of fortunate circumstances. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? But it's only because you maybe weren't ready for the onslaught that is my game when I come out and play <laughs> you on your home soil and all that sort of stuff. But I'm very optimistic that 2022 we'll finally get back on a golf course together and be able to have uh, a few laughs uh, along the way. Uh, that, I am. I am looking forward to it. I am walking around with crossed fingers and toes 
but I'm not holding my breath. No, I, I still think as we record this at uh, the very end of December, I'm really quite expecting new restrictions to come into play, certainly in the front half of next year. So it may well be, again, late summer, early autumn before we get the chance, but uh, fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. But anyway, I don't want to spend all of tonight's podcast talking about Des. I mean, I know he's, <laughs> I know he's got injured, and I, and I know we want him back as soon as possible, but, you know... Golf proceeds without him. If he's if he's unavailable, we have to still carry on. And I do want to talk to you about a couple of little points of interest just at the end of the 2021 season. And here is a startling statistic because Tiger Woods, as we know, has just played in the PNC Championship with his son, Charlie. I, I don't know, Commander. I'm presuming you saw a little bit of that because the entire golfing world seemed to be watching. I did. I did watch it and I was... A, please, to, to see Tiger get from point A to point B unaided. I was extremely pleased to be able to watch Big Tiger watch Little Tiger. It was pretty cool. And I tell you, Charlie can play. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about handicaps now because I know already his is better than mine. Oh, I, I don't wish this next statement to sound like derogatory, but substantially. <laughs> yep. I, I don't know. How old? How old is Charlie? Charlie is twelve. Yeah, see, I'm, he's he's already he's playing the course of six thousand one hundred yards, which is roughly what we like to play courses of six one, six two, six three. Is there there? Right. It's right. yeah, but he's twelve. You know, so that's not ideal. Um, but anyway, that's not the statistic I wanted to talk to you about. In twenty twenty one. NBC's coverage of the Open Championship attracted 2.1 million viewers per day. Why does that sound low to me? I, I well, I'm presuming it's it, it's again. It might have been that at the time it was on, or various other things. But the Open Championship, they got 2.1 million. It says 2.1 million viewers. It actually doesn't say per day. Uh, no, it, it says it's total audience delivery numbers. So maybe it's actually total. Total 2.1 million. But here's the statistic. The PNC Championship, a two-day father and son's holiday runaround, got 2.3 million viewers. And that's the Tiger the tiger effect, pure and simple. Are, are, are we positive that the Open numbers weren't just for the United States? Oh, no, those are just the United States. Those are NBC's numbers. All right, yes. Then that then that makes perfect sense. We're daft enough to watch a father and son, and uh, to turn turn a half a blind eye to the open. Yeah, that that would be pure Americana. But I I just thought that was uh, that was stunning. But then you suddenly realise the tiger effect is so sensational. So here's a quick quiz question for you, Commander. You will like this? Okay. <laughs> From 1998 to 2009. Tiger Woods was world number one at the end of the year for every single year bar one. Oh, dear. Who in 2004 pipped Tiger to world number one? It's a good question, isn't it? Oh, boy. I would love to say, wait, this stopped in 2009, right? At, at 2000, from 1998 to 2009, <clears throat> Tiger Woods was n world number one at the end of the year, every single year, except 2004. When did 
DJ hit the ground running. Oh, later than that. Was it? See, yeah. that's what I'm having. Yep. The answer- All those guys' beards look older than I think they are. Yes. 2004, VJ Singh. VJ oh, Singh boy. held the world number one slot at the end of 2004. Outside of that, Tiger held it for 11 of 12 years. And it would have been, well, I could give you my best three guesses. I might have had to go through four rounds of that before I would have gotten to VJ Singh. That's well, surprising. Well, VJ was very, and since then, Tiger has won it, been in the situation once more in 2013. He was world yeah. number one. Only Rory McElroy and Bruce Kepka and Dustin Johnson are the only ones to have ever held it two, at the end of two separate years. Well, it, it just shows the uh, impact. I do think that Tiger coming back uh, is just so important for the sport. And as a final little piece on that, here are some very interesting average earnings statistics. Okay. In 1991, pre-Tiger, the uh, PGA Tour average earnings, the average earnings on the PGA Tour, were $146,780. Ten years later, in 2001, with Tiger on the scene, the average earnings were $645,505. By 2011, it was up to $994,741. And by 2021, the average tour earning is 1.485 million. I was trying to plot that on a metal graph in my head. And we, we quintupled, then we almost doubled, and then we almost added another 30%, yeah? We, we, uh, we sort of multiplied it by four the first time. We then added 50%, and then yeah. we effectively added 50% again. Okay, four, two. Yep. 146 to 645 to 994 to 1.485. And again, it, it really is, as I say, the, the, the tiger effect. But anyway, there you go. Some little debating points because it shows again that something as simple as the PNC Championship has highlighted Tiger's importance to world golf. He just moves the dial. It is, but I will also point out that there has been a small boom, not a sonic boom, but maybe a sonic pop in golf the past year in the United States because of COVID. Yep. And it is, it is one of the activities that we're lucky enough to be able to, to participate in because it's almost social distanced by definition because um, even pros can't get it within six feet of other regularly. <laughs> um, that I think there may that, that may also be a little bit Without question, it's 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 um, Charlie and Tiger sitting in red 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 shirts on Sunday playing around the golf. And you add to that, more people just know how to spell golf in the United States this year than they did last year, and that's a winning proposition for for the for the the golf industry. I, I certainly hope so because you and I both enjoy our golf. And um, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed watching John Daly win it. By the way, John Daly and John Daly Jr or John Daly 2, actually winning the PNC because they played some stellar golf. But, I mean, I I think I'll be a long time forgetting Charlie Woods' shot on the 17th. It, that's just not right. No, it's it's absolutely not right. I looked at that shot and I went, he, he, he played a better shot than everybody else in his group, and that included his father and Matt Kutcher. 
and Matt Kutcher, and you're going, this kid is 12, and he was yeah. playing it from the same yardage on that hole. But anyway, I enough enough of that. I think we'll be talking about uh, Charlie Woods on this podcast long into the future. But a couple of quick things that, because it is the end of the year, pod and all the rest of it. Have you decided on a New Year's resolution for your golf for next year? Last year, it, you got a, you were the most technical answer we got. You talked about, you know, coming down through the ball, club face alignment, all the rest of it. Some others just like the idea of playing more golf. But, uh, <laughs> you know, how, have you have you picked on anything, you know, with the game in its current condition? You probably have been able to play until fairly recently. I was on the range yesterday. You're a lucky man. I haven't actually hit a ball since the first week in October. Yep, I uh, and that that was going to be part of my uh, resolution was to um, maybe take one round a week off my total and put in a range session throughout the course of the year to consistently stroke the ball more, putt the ball more without tallying up results. Just getting the strokes laid down for me, I think is going to be, hopefully that's a big help as what I think it's going to be. Cause I spent most of the year losing weight last year and uh, now I have no excuse. My ultra large belly is just a little bit bigger than normal belly now. So that shouldn't be in the way near as much. And now I'll w- work on my strength and on just laying down the strokes and the foundation Get back to basics, Eric, is what this hopefully this year is going to be called. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I'm I'm very impressed at, again, all of the things that you're doing because I appear to be not doing none of those at the moment in preparation for my next year. I seem to be talking about golf more than I'm actually playing it at the moment, but uh, but there you go. I, I would say if I was going to have a New Year's resolution for next year, it is actually to spend more time on the putting green again. Uh, a few years ago, I spent a lot of time on the putting green and became a, a fairly competent putter. And I have felt in the last couple of years that's eased away a little bit and my confidence there isn't as good. So I think I think I really want to spend a little bit more time working on my putting. I think we're all very, very keen to hit the ball further. But actually, at the end of the day, you know, the, the number one thing that helps you build a score is being able to putt well. So I think I'm going to spend a little more time on the putting green again next year. Well, I, I like I like how you initially said that. Um, I would like to get on the putting green one stroke sooner than I normally do. Yes. So I would like to spend yeah. green as well. <laughs> I, I see what you did there, but I, I'm hoping to, when I'm on the greens to be a little bit more consistent. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. as we turn to, to next year, and, and one of the things we like to do on In the Footsteps of Giants, obviously, is we've we've had a look at what the PGA Tour schedule throws up for next year, and also the new DP World Tour, which is the new European Tour, strategically aligned to the PGA Tour, setting itself up to make sure that these interlopers from far, far away don't actually get hold of all the real value in golf. But interestingly, for next year, only four of the venues in the U.S. are ones that uh, we have played uh, the In the Footsteps of Giants team. And now that may not be true. You may have a couple that we don't have, but we only have uh, on next year's schedule Pebble Beach, Scottsdale, uh, TPC Sawgrass and Torrey Pines. In next year's schedule, there, there's quite a number, and it just shows us we have a lot of work still to do to go and try and play where the pros have played. Yeah. Um, we're doing a bit better on the DP World Tour because um, the Abu Dhabi tournament this year, the HSBC in Abu Dhabi, is on Yaz Links, which we played in 2019. 
Uh, the Dubai Desert Classic is at the Emirates Club as usual, and we've played there. Uh, the British Masters is at the Belfry, and I've played the Belfry. The Irish Open is at Mount Juliet, and we I have never played it, but I have walked it. And by the way, we've got seven venues played, three walked. The Open at St. Andrews, and if Des was here, he would tell you yet again about his score of 45 points the last time he played it. I do think that score goes up by a point every time he tells the story, but, uh, but there we go. Interestingly, you've played one of the courses uh, on, coming up again next year. The ISPS Handa is played again at Galgorm Castle in Northern Ireland, where really? you and I played in the summer of 2019. Huh. That was very nice. You came down and joined the Renegade Players Tour for a night and, and played at Galgorm Castle. So there you go. Yeah. Then there's the BMW at Wentworth, Current winner is an American, Billy Horschel, currently holds that title. Um, the Andrew Lucia Masters at Valderrama. The Ned Bank uh, Golf Challenge is at Sun City. So again, uh, and then the, so again, we have played seven and walked three. So it, it makes golf viewing so much more entertaining when you've actually walked on these golf courses. But uh, But there you go. So when we start looking at it, we then get to your predictions, major predictions for 2022. This is fairly easy because, as you know, we have a fairly low hit rate of being right. So, <laughs> so this comes down to a certain amount of what do you think and, and all the rest of it. Now, I've got some fairly good opinions on, and we've done well because we've picked Dustin Johnson to win the Masters. We have um, picked... Uh, John Ram last year to win the US Open, uh, which was quite nice. So we, we've had some success in this. I, I still don't think there's been a better instance of poetic justice in no. pro sports other than Rob getting getting his Open. Uh, no, I actually thought that was magnificent. And in fact, part of the reason I predicted John Ram to win that last year was the concept of an angry golfer who was in really good form. And he'd been in really good form at the memorial. He had to stand down and then he went out and he was really angry. And uh, he was just more motivated than anybody else because that was a dogfight to win the US Open last year. But let's start with the easiest of the easy. Nothing, uh -huh. gets, nothing gets easier than the Masters at you know, Augusta. So who's winning? I'm going to, I'll start to give you time. You know, my heart, my heart says Rory McIlroy. But the problem okay. is, the problem is, they've still got the tenth hole at Augusta. <laughs> they haven't actually got rid of the tenth hole, and I don't think he likes that hole. I just don't. So that leaves me Justin Thomas as my prediction to win the Masters. Now, see that you just slid. I, I, I see how you did that. You made everybody look at the right hand, and the left hand took the one everybody wanted. I see how you did that. That's very. very <laughs> Well, it, I, you can you can agree with me, Commander, which is something you've always struggled to do in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I like JT, and I like Rory, but I really like with Morikawa. I think it's time again. I disagree with Morikawa because I think Morikawa drives it okay, is probably the best iron player in the world at the moment, but I'm not convinced that the Greens at Augusta are going to be Colin Morikawa's friend. 
I, if if you have, and by the way, I'm I'm you. None of us have any business talking about any professional player's weakness with our games. But <laughs> the the whole point is, you know, Colin Marokawa is a supreme ball striker with his irons. But he is, you know, the the phrase is oft oft used about golfers streaky putter, and I think Morikawa is a streaky putter. Yes, he is not an artistic putter. He's no. not very artistic putter. You're right, but. I am willing to rely on the cerebral way he gets around the course to make up for the two strokes he may have trouble with on the greens. I like how I like how cerebral he plays around the golf. I think he is around and he's he's part of the future of golf and I think he's going to win more majors. I just don't think it'll be the Masters next year. Could very well be. But could very well be. But but there you go. That's the that's the joy of these be- debates. Six players that didn't make the cut. Uh, that would not stun me at all. Yeah, true, true. Okay, the USPGA is at Southern Hills Country Club. I'm going to confess something. I don't know an awful lot about Southern Hills Country Club. And so I'm not really totally convinced that I'm in as good a place as I like to think I am sometimes to judge who might play well there. Interestingly on this one, my heart says Rory McIlroy. But my head on this one says Bryson DeChambeau. Ah, okay. I, I, I was worried when you started with, with with the first letter of DeChambeau's name because I want to take Chris Kepka. Well, I, I, as we all know, and we've said on, on several occasions, although I'm a little tired of the Brooks v. Bryson scenario at the moment, um, I, I have now an involvement uh, with an ice hockey team. And uh, so one of the things I'm kind of thinking of in ice hockey, they drop the gloves and actually go at it. (laughs) I keep thinking if the boys would drop the gloves and just go at it, we could finally get to the bottom of this um, and and see who who comes out on top. Although I've said before, I do think it would still be Brooks Kepka. Uh, I think that boy would know how to do a bit of pummeling. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think... I think all of those guys, and this is the thing about the USPGA, the USPGA like it to be a high scoring, in other words, low scoring event. So they they don't mind a minus 10 and minus 15 winning the event. The the course may well play to suit a more aggressive style of play. And that then plays to the likes of Kepka and particularly Bryson DeChambeau, who go for things. Uh, and so I, I, I think that's so. Anyway, any you're you're going Brooks there. I've gone Bryson. Um, although as I say, you're, 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 I, I cannot get the mental imagery out of my head for two players on the putting green in ice hockey. It's so easy to drop the gloves because you just uncurl your fingers. I can I can just imagine them each having a stare down where they're trying to get the golf glove off <laughs> off their hand. But you'd sit and watch it, wouldn't you? Ah. Uh, I'd have probably already, in America, they'd probably already cut to a commercial and they'd miss the good parts. But if it was on, probably. Oh, it, it's, I mean, I, I was watching last night the um, Dallas Cowboys and the Washington game. And yeah. two of the Washington players got at it on the bench at each other. And they're on the same side. Yeah, that was. Some punches were thrown. One was trying to drill his finger, you know, tapping the other player's temple, like, use your brain. Yeah, and the other guy had enough of that and tried to turn his lights out. <laughs> uh, you see, and that's if Brooks and Bryson got round to doing that, we'd all be watching. 
But anyway, okay, we get to the U.S. Open at Brookline. Now, Brookline has a little bit of history. For European players, Brookline, the Battle of Brookline, has a little bit of history. But having said that, this is the U.S. Open. Now, I actually believe that, uh, although, again, my, my heart says Rory McIlroy, but interestingly, my head also says Rory McIlroy. I actually think if Rory's going to win a major next year, it will be the U.S. Open. And I think he'll have to take it off John Ram, who'll, who'll run him tight. But if Rory's going to get back into the major winning circle, I really believe it'll be the U.S. Open. Bold call, but that's what we do here. I think if Rory takes a major, it's going to be one nobody sees coming. As much as possible for Rory, I think his next major will be an unspoken one until, holy cow, Rory's up six on Saturday morning. It's going to be one of those revelations, not one of these, where's Rory, where's Rory? It's just going to be, poof, there's Rory. Welcome to golf Saturday morning. That's 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 what I think. I would actually like him more for the Masters than, than I would. Except for, for the 10th hole is still there. The tenth. Yeah, I know, but his caddy, his caddy just has got to grab him and shake him once before he starts thinking too much about ten. Just, just grab him and shake him, scramble him up a little bit, so he's too busy putting the pieces back together again to think about <laughs> what he's got to do. And I bet he'll be just fine. <laughs> U.S. Open. Let's see. I'm. I would go. I would not be surprised if DJ. Okay. Either. Okay. I'm going to go either or JT or DJ. For the US Justin Open. Tom. And that's yeah. after Justin Thomas has already won the Masters. <laughs> he's on a cracking year. Yeah, because he spent two years in relative oblivion. Yeah, he's been quiet. But and, he did win the Players' Championship yeah. last year. He did, and, and that was almost like his... Uh, can you have more than one denouement? <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> I think it, I think I think it is. Um, uh, and, and again, certainly from the purposes of Polo Ralph Lauren, I'm sure they were delighted at his win just after they'd binned him. Um, <laughs> nothing sells more shirts than firing your best player. But anyway, um, but uh, so okay, that takes us to the Open at St Andrews, the 150th Open at St Andrews. A golf course, which, by the way, I regularly get into trouble for saying. And by the way, I get the history. I really do get the history. It looks beautiful. It looks magnificent. The setting is fantastic. I just don't think the course in the modern era stacks up to quite the same way as some of the other courses. Now, don't get me wrong. It'll still be a nightmare to win the Open on it. Uh, and it will depend heavily on whether there's any wind. But for the 150th Open at St. Andrews, my heart says Rory McIlroy. <laughs> <laughs> but my head, my head, and this is this is one that will please you mightily, Commander. If it starts with a V, I'm going to be annoyed. Victor Hovland is who I have on my pad here because I think Victor is coming for a major. And you were very you were you were early on the Victor Hovland bandwagon last year. I was as early on his bandwagon was as I was late to the Nicholson one. Well, yes, <laughs> that, that, was, yes. <laughs> that was that was the full yin and yang of that. 
having having declared three days prior to the USPGA that Mickelson was taking somebody else's slot and he shouldn't be allowed to play majors anymore. The fact he went yep. out and won it did kind of confound his critics rather directly. Yep. <laughs> Albeit, I still I still believe that uh, that might have been the last one for Phil in the in the regular ranks. I, I'm not counting him out, but uh, I mean, he, he is, as a lot of them are, quite remarkable, but it's just he's not consistent enough. But I think yeah. Victor Hovland uh, I, is. I think it would be really, really neat for that to be Hovland's. If not him, oh, uh, dang it. The guy who won the Masters last year in his caddy bowed. Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. Yeah. I would not be surprised there. I would be extraordinarily surprised there. I think I think Hideki, who is a fine, fine player, has uh, almost done more than he, he, he is expected to accomplish. I do not see him consistently beating the very best in the world. He is one of the very best in the world. I just get the feeling, you know, Maybe, maybe, maybe that win changed his perspective. I don't know, but um, the the reality is, I just don't see it. I I actually think it will be a European that wins uh, the Open. Has Fleetwood ever won? No, the and Open? I keep I keep hoping Tommy is going to come through yeah. and win one. And, and I mean, he's been a runner up in the U.S. Open and runner up in the Open. He was runner up in the Open at uh, Royal Port Rush. Yeah. Um, but uh, by a, a margin, you know. But uh, so I, I would love to see well, Tom, was, Tommy win one. He was fighting weather, destiny, and sheer ability on that one. I mean, I mean, he was destined to win that one from the get go. Yeah. Oh no, no, Shane Laurie. It was that was that was his time. Um, that was preordained. Yeah. Okay. Well, as usual, by the time our listeners distill our uh, carefully considered thoughts, um, you know, and they will make their own mind up. But the the final thing tonight, Commander, before we lose the the satellite link, is um, I I have a, a, it's not quite a quiz for you because that would be wrong. What could best be described as not a quiz but a, a sort of questionnaire, and this came up in Golf Monthly. Uh, and and let's let's just see how we both go as we go through this. These are the twenty golf milestones. How many have you achieved? Oh, not very many. Okay. So okay. So we'll start on the left hand side, and and we'll we'll mark down. I I, I will I will mark them up. Uh, I'd better put you down there and uh, see. <laughs> uh, okay. First one is get a handicap. Do you have an official handicap under the World Golf Handicapping System? I do. Point to you, point to me. We I, we both have one. Have you won a club competition? No, not the club. I have won competitions at clubs, but I have never won a club competition. Oh, I'm going to give you a point, though, because you've won competitions at clubs. You know, so mm-hmm. you've, you've won. Now, just beating me on the off chance one day doesn't count. I mean, <laughs> I mean there has to be a decent field out there. But so no, it, was, it, it, it was one. It was uh, it was a tournament. Um, uh, not a tournament in the classic sense, but it was a large gathering of military personnel swinging sticks and sending little white spheroids rocketing around the place. Yes. No, well, I, I think that I think that's fair enough. And I, I would say I've also won a club competition. Okay, next one. Have you ever broken 80? 
Yes. Excellent. So have I. Okay, we're we're tied three for three. Have you ever shot under par for a whole round no. of golf? We're we're in that together. I've come very <laughs> close once, um, um, but not quite. Have you ever had a hole in one? Yes. Oh, you're ahead of me there because I have never had a hole in one. Uh, have you ever had an eagle? I'm presuming the answer to that is yes because you've had a hole in one. Yes. Okay, well, that's the same for me. I, I also have had... Um, oh. Some dude... <laughs> my, sorry, you got to add it. Some dude named Spearfishing is calling me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I didn't know you were doing a lot of spearfishing regularly, but anyway. Okay. Okay, your next cl- uh, milestone whilst I, I think... Have you ever shot a fish with a... Sp- no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> Uh, have you ever had an albatross? No. That would be the correct answer. Neither have I. Uh, you have joined a golf club. You are a regular at a golf club. Yes. Okay, that counts. I've got that one as well. Um, well, then you, you automatically get the next one because you've broken 80, so it says break 100, so we've both done that. Yeah. I was ha- getting worried. Yep. Have you ever had a round of golf with no double bogeys? I don't know if my 78 had a double in it or not. So I I can't honestly say no. I'm going to say give you a yes on that. If you had a 78, you wouldn't have had many double bogeys in it. Yeah, it's just the fact that I would have to remember one. I can't. So that's halfway through, and you are at 8 to my 7. Okay? So we're into the back back nine, except it's 10. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Have you ever been a single figure golfer? No. I have, as you know. So, la, 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 la. Okay. Okay. Well, there, here's one which is win club championship. So, yes, I'm giving you that as well. And, and that for your military win. And I've got one as well. Have you ever broken 70? No. I have once. Only once. And it was at a course you've played, the legendary Bushfoot Golf Club. Ah, very then, good. No, no, where I had my only ever 68. But, no, when I say my only ever 68, I've never had a 69. <laughs> you know, well, I had a 68. I've never had a 79. I've only had a 78. Yeah. Breaking, breaking 80. Yeah. So I, I, I had um, five birdies that day, which is most unusual for me. And I sneaked in on a 68 in a short course. So I, I would get a, a point for breaking 70. Have you yes. ever been under par for nine holes? Yes, but it's not on my normal set of keys. Doesn't matter. I'm giving you the point. The, these were the ones where, you know, the golfers were old enough to once they had to get their walker out of the way, they could then pick up the golf club and hit the golf ball keys. I'm still going to give it to you anyway. Um, okay. A bogey-free round. A no. round with no bogeys. I can't believe I've ever had a bogey-free round either. Because, to be honest, if I had, I think I'd remember it. <laughs> yeah. um, or you would have at least told me about it. I'm fairly confident of that. You, you and me both. Um, <laughs> okay, the next one uh, you definitely get, because have you ever had a birdie? The answer is yes. The answer is yep. yes. Have you ever hit all 18 greens in regulation? No. I think I'd be lying if I said I had. I can't imagine I've ever done that. And again, I no. think I would remember. Okay, have you ever driven a par four? 
No, I have gotten close, but I've never made the green. I have driven a par four on a number of occasions. Um, uh, I have dr- par, uh, driven the eighth at Royal Belfast. And I have driven, there's a whole, certainly a par four at um, Greyhawk Golf Club in Arizona that I've driven uh, the green and a couple others. So I yes, I'm getting a point for that. Have you ever played a round of golf with no lost balls? Yes. I would have hoped so. Uh, me too. And final one, have you ever had back-to-back birdies? Yes. That is good. And I also have uh, that as well. So if I kind up mine and you kind up right, yours. Now wait, does, does the back-to-back birdie, does birdie eagle? Because that's what the whole, before I got my, <laughs> my hole-in-one, I got a birdie. Sorry, you you now want to debate whether birdie eagle counts. <laughs> well, because it was my hole in one. That's, yeah, that, that's the same point. I'm using so my hole in one. I'm going to give you back to back birdies counts if you got if you went birdie eagle. I I think, okay. I think I think that would be churlish to take that off you. <laughs> well, I, I have to believe most of your and I's ilk have gone birdie birdie at least once. Oh yes, oh yes, and that, but. But that's why I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't yeah, skiving a point somewhere. To be honest, looking at the 20 golf milestones, you have 13 of the 20, and I have 15 of the 20. So that's, again, I thought it was just quite a useful thing, because what it does is make you just look at it and say, over the years I've been playing golf, have I done these things? Yes, I have. No, I haven't. Oh, there's a challenge there. So it actually is, I, I thought it was just quite a nice little sheet to actually run through but to have 13 of the 20 with a couple of them being fairly irrelevant now i will say however that this is a nice segue back to new year's resolution for golf yes i questions that i answered no to was have i ever had a double bogey free round was it was it double bogey free Yes, we, we gave you that because we thought your 78 must, mustn't have had a double bogey. That 78 that I'm, that I'm speaking about was at uh, Myrtle Beach National, and it was so many years ago, three professions ago, and many thousand sleeps ago. And <laughs> I really, that, that, that's good because that'll get, try and get me more consistent again. I'm just laying down the strokes rather than panicking. I'll try and do a, a double bogey free round now. I think the interesting thing is when you and I play golf together, okay, you hit the ball every bit as far as I do. There's no difference between us in, in the yardage. We hit the ball in reality, but I would be the more consistent chipper of the ball. Oh, way, 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 way more consistent. Yeah, And, and that is where I tend to actually um, – you know, manage to scratch out a win every so often. Yeah, right. Well, the, the only hope I have, and this I'm revealing a golf secret, is I, I'm I'm so bad at chipping. The only hope I have is that you crick your neck watching my ball go from the left side of the green <laughs> to the right side of the green. Uh, you know, I I am so looking forward to us actually getting back onto the golf course, uh, hopefully in this coming year, and. Thank you very much indeed, Commander, for spending a little bit of time on the predictions tonight uh, and filling in for your, your mate Des, who, as you know, um, will be back in his usual chair in the not-too-distant future. And, Bless uh, his heart, I hope he is. 
Oh, yes. All our listeners, we would like to say we wish you a very happy new year. We hope that uh, COVID won't actually derail your golfing plans for 2022. We hope to bring you a lot more uh, podcast episodes in uh, 2022. And we'd like to go a few places again and be able to review the golf courses that we play on. But until we have that opportunity, we will see you in the new year with some new episodes. So from In the Footsteps of Giants, on behalf of myself, Martin, my normal co-host, Des, and tonight, all the way from the United States of America, our very good friend, the Commander, we will see you very, very shortly and have a very safe new year. If you've enjoyed this episode of In the Footsteps of Giants, please hit the subscribe button from wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you'd like to leave us a good review, that would be most helpful as well. And if you'd like to interact with the podcast, please use our Twitter feed, which is at itfog under slash podcast, and we'll happily deal with any queries or suggestions that you might uh, like to give us for future episodes.